Welcome to the ESG Matters Podcast. My name is Amat Gomis, and I'm your host. Today, we have Luke Jacobs, CEO and co-founder of NCAMP. NCAMP is an enterprise technology company on a mission to create a world in which what's good for business can also be good for the environment. Welcome to the podcast, Luke. Awesome. Thanks, Amat. It's good to be here. And just a level set, can you give a, a bit of background on yourself and the work at NCAMP? Yeah, absolutely. So at NCAMP, I serve in the role of CEO. I also co-founded the business. So I've been with uh, the company from the very beginning, along with my two co-founders. A little bit of background on myself and how I found myself starting an environmental technology company. In undergrad, I studied biogeochemical research, was really passionate about the environment and finding ways to leverage technology and the scientific method to help aid in sustainability efforts and dig in on environmental kind of emerging research fields, which was really exciting. From there, I actually ended up going into environmental consulting, where I worked for several large energy companies, automotive companies. And this was my first foray truly into the world of compliance and environmental regulations, where we really focus in NCAMP. And yeah, now uh, with NCAMP, we've been at it for a little more than four years and service several hundred companies across a range of industries, help them make environmental compliance faster, more simple, more accurate. And as you mentioned at the top with the intro, our goal as an organization is to help create a world where good for business can equal good for the environment by making it just super simple for these large companies to understand their environmental impacts and their compliance requirements, and then ultimately make it easy for them to stay in compliance with those regulations and be good stewards of the environment efficiently so they can also continue growing as as organizations themselves as large companies. You mentioned compliance, and I was wondering if you could discuss the maturation of the ESG audience as investors and consumers. I think Right now, there's a big movement that we see on a lot of different fronts for before it was great if you could just do good, but now it's also how do you prove that you're doing good? So I'm just wondering, what are you seeing the ESG audience, whether it be investors, consumers, how are they maturing in their, their viewpoints in this type of uh, field? Yeah, it's a great question. I do think overall the trend is towards greater data disclosures, data transparency, And I think one of the repercussions of the focus on ESG over the last several years has been really digging deeper into validating the efficacy of the programs themselves and really being able to prove that what you are saying as an organization is in fact happening. So I think definitely from the consumer and the investor standpoint, the maturity is really increasing. And I think the requirement for data is only going to be on an upward trajectory. We've got proposals with the SEC that would make this more codified, as well as large financial institutions that have really been pushing ESG disclosures as a a central part of their thesis and are continuing to push that harder. And I think this is a, a distinct change from, you know, even a few years ago where it was maybe a little bit more buzzwordy. And I think people are now trying to really double click down and, and ensure that carbon sequestration programs are in fact sequestering carbon, that any sort of sustainability initiatives actually are taking into account a long enough time horizon to understand the real outcomes instead of maybe the short-term inputs that would be good to be able to maybe highlight from a company's perspective, but might 
not truly indicate long-term sustainability. So I would say overall, the audience does seem to be continuing to mature. I also think this is driven in large part from consumers. Consumers, I think, rightly so, are increasingly skeptical of the efficacy really of ESG programs as a whole and are just going to be demanding more and more transparency around that, which I think is genuinely a good thing. Consumers are a very effective change agent for companies since you know ultimately a company re- relies on customer goodwill and trust. So I think uh, it's increasing. I think it's still got a long way to go, to be completely frank. It's still relatively in its infancy and even ESG as a kind of catch-all topic is broad enough that I would imagine over time as it continues to mature, this is going to get probably higher fidelity differentiation across environmental social governance initiatives, what those mean, how to really track whether they're doing what we want them to do. And then ultimately, this is going to, especially from the investor standpoint, really rely on being able to show some financial gains or differentiation competitively from businesses that are really investing in ESG, since a lot of this is going to ultimately come back to being able to align incentives between the investor group, business class, uh, and then ultimately the consumers as well. When you talk about the increased specter of investors and consumers caring about this, and you've talked about the compliance need. One of the things I'm always curious about is oftentimes when we look at things like the SEC regulations are really focused on publicly traded companies. But a lot of when you sort of go one level down into any company's supply chain, a lot of their issues really focus on companies that are maybe not traded publicly traded or they're smaller, so they don't necessarily have the same level of push per se, to, to do a lot of this stuff. So I wonder, for those companies in particular, how important is it if you are, let's say, a, a supplier to Fortune 500 company or, or something like that, how important is it for those companies to set up compliance mechanisms to demonstrate their adherence to ESG goals or programs that they're looking at implementing or that they will or they have underway? Yeah, great question. I would say very broadly, I view it as quite important. And I think there are two primary things going on in this that make it important. So first is just direct defensibility of your business over even the near term of a few years. I think a a major push actually in driving sustainability is coming from large companies like Apple who are saying, our supply chain must adhere to a certain set of standards because we're holding ourselves to those standards because that's what our investors and consumers are demanding. And if you are a supplier of a large company, I would say it is very wise and just good pot odds, so to speak, good betting odds that is more likely to be relevant in the near term than not be relevant, uh, especially if you're, you're really supplying these large companies. I think the second component of this is that it is really important to kind of look around the curve a little bit into the future and see where is this kind of trending towards. And I think it's fairly clear that the trend is towards greater scrutiny, not only at the public company level, but down into the supply chain, into private companies, something where even probably private company investors are going to definitely be looking, this kind of the private equity market is going to be looking very closely at this as well. So I think it is something that 
for businesses that are taking a proactive approach, even if they're not immediately impacted in their current supply chain requirements or even from their investor or consumer set. I think it will behoove them to begin planning for that very real potential future and building in truly mechanistic systems that do demonstrate that adherence to environmental standards, to social governance standards, allows for a much more complete story as you're looking to make that transition as it becomes required. And it is something that will allow you to build competitive differentiation earlier, which just seems smart. You'll be ahead of the curve. And I think these requirements are only going to be increasing in their scope and in the applicability across a different breadth of companies, particularly as this is moving down into the non-public but private equity influenced markets. That's incredibly relevant. And then the supply chain, I think, is uh, absolutely critical as well, since big companies are going to be under this scrutiny and they will pass down those requirements into their supply chain to improve their overall ESG profile. Yeah, there are just a few things I would add to that. I think one thing that people forget is that whether you're public or privately owned, one of the ways you increase your ability to attract and retain talent as well as gain business share, market share is by being efficient and being able to really manage what we used to be considered exogenous factors. So ESG generally, when you sort of boil it down, is really saying, how do you manage these things that used to be considered external to your business and now that they're internal? So if you are able to manage those and able to have a compliance mechanism set up and utilize companies like EnCamp to help create those, what you're saying to everyone, all interested parties, is that we are managing efficiently these factors that impact our business today and into the future. So I think for companies that maybe are struggling with making the so what sort of business case to higher ups in their organization, that's that's essentially it. Like legislation is trying to do is legislate good behavior and legislate publicly traded companies or large companies to be able to move the needle because they know that's where they have the most influence. And that's where then they can push those requirements, like you said, out to first, second, and third tier suppliers and improve the world that way. But I think for smaller companies, you have to think about if you do, if you're an owner of a small company, you may want to eventually sell, go public, do something else. And like you said, those investors, whether they be in the private equity market, the public market, this is an, another increasing need that you need to manage. So if you do want to eventually retire and not work yourself to death, this is what the market is requiring. So I think that is really important for companies to think about this as even if it's good for the environment or good for society, that at the end of the day, it's also good for you as a business to run because this is saying, how are you managing these factors? How are you most efficient in leveraging your key abilities and resources to make sure you're running the most efficient business as possible? Yeah, I think you bring up Two really great points there. Uh, I, I very much agree with that, both on the talent perspective, particularly the younger generations that businesses are looking to attract, thinking about business continuity and building that next generation of leaders. I think they care quite a lot about this, and it will be imperative for companies to be on top of their environmental and social governance initiatives and be able to demonstrate those to actually draw in and retain really top tier talent. And then I do think you make a really great point, which is if you're building a company, 
You need to build a company that can be sold. It's a critical thing to be thinking about, even if you don't plan on selling for years and years or even decades. At some point, companies, the great companies are set up so that they can actually be be sold and be attractive to potential future investors or acquirers. And it will be something that I think is just a complete competitive X factor to have demonstrated ESG practices, have this built out in a series of systems. And I think it's really hard to sort of go back in time. It's something where I think a lot of businesses, if they don't get started soon, will wish that they had in the future because it's a critical thing to kind of begin with the end in mind and thinking about eventually if you want your business business to grow, be sold, go public, take on additional capital, anything like that. These initiatives are going to come under scrutiny from a financial perspective. So it's important. And then, you know, really no business is built without great employees. And if you're thinking about winning the war on talent, you're going to need to have some compelling missions and differentiation outside of just the kind of nuts and bolts widgets that you create with your business or outcomes that you deliver to your customers to really inspire attract and retain a great workforce over time. And you talked about this throughout our conversation, but I just want to have a little bit more explicit conversation about it. When we think about the risk today versus maybe tomorrow, what are the risks if a company does not set up a compliance mechanism where they can report out the ESG factors that, or the goals that they have or the programs that they have in place? Yeah, it's a great question. I think There are a few different things that would go into that risk profile, particularly if you're thinking out over a few years into the future. So I think one of them is actually just being behind the eight ball if these become actual requirements that are applicable to your business rather than sort of nice to have or initiatives. There is a real risk of just being behind in that practice and not being prepared to actually comply quickly and be able to actually adhere to new standards as they get set. I also do think that businesses need to be very defensive about maintaining their public image to their customers. And this is something where it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and a minute to lose it, so to speak. And I think this is a place where it is truly a risk mitigation effort to build a strong demonstrable history of caring about ESG, being able to show your practices are in fact effective because really the risk is that you lose consumer goodwill and they will stop buying from your business. Another one, truly protecting your own revenue streams, kind of similar to, to end customers if you're selling directly to customers, but also within the supply chain. If you're providing to you know, major companies, a Walmart, an Apple, and they push a requirement and you're not ready, you could definitely be replaced in that supply chain by other companies that are similar to yours, but have done a better job on this. I think that's a a very real potential risk. Same with investment. There's a a limited amount to go around. And so being competitive is, is critical over time. I think Outside of that, there is very real potential that this becomes much more regulated in terms of its true compliance needs, which would say, mean that there are going to be enforceable actions that could be levied against companies that do a bad job of this in the future. Those could be financial direct fines for non-compliance, could also be some amount of additional disclosure requirements, stoppage time on production to turn stuff around, which are also extremely costly. And I really do think in many ways, it's all about being able to show the time series. So if you're not beginning now, you're really just losing time to build out these practices and be able to show a repeated history over time that you are in fact 
moving in this direction and building these capabilities as an organization. So I'd say, you know, the risks kind of abound. You could have regulatory risk, you could have consumer risk, your supply chain could be impacted, which could reduce orders coming from a business. You could lose out on talent, which would long-term destabilize the business's capabilities for future growth, for business continuity, any sort of change management as people age out of the workforce and you need to build your new bench of leadership and employees. Yeah, in some ways, it's almost easier to think about uh, the risk than, than how could it not be risky, <laughs> at least from my perspective. Yeah. I think there are, there are many different factors that go into that. And then I think one of the things in the U.S., we are a lot further behind when it yes. comes to ESG than Western Europe and some other places, some other markets throughout the world. When you think about the U.S. in the context of ESG compliance in the next five years, what do you see happening in the U.S. versus essentially will we catch up? Will we be on par with what's happening in like Western Europe and other markets or will we supersede them in some respect? Or like what do you see happening both domestically and internationally in that in that regard? Yeah, it's interesting. Future predictions can be tricky just because it is hard to tell. But I, from my perspective, I would see the U.S. continuing to accelerate sophistication in ESG compliance, though I would expect that the EU in particular will continue to be a leader in this and the U.S. will be following. But I think the EU is going to be pushing forward as well. So overall, I think the U.S. will be increasing the requirements around this. The SEC is building a really strong case for this rollout in 2024 of their new disclosure requirements. And I I believe this is just going to be a continued trend within the U.S. I do think something that will be very interesting is going to really stem from does this flow primarily from the government compared to coming from large companies? It's interesting you mentioned international standards being a factor, because I think this really does also drive the, call it even Fortune 2000, a lot of their ESG requirements are stemming from operating internationally and understanding that they need to be making these improvements and initiatives happen in their European business units. And that is then a precursor for what their US business units will look like and kind of everything's getting pulled forward. So I think there's an evolution that's going to be coming from these large companies actually regulating themselves along international standards, potentially before they're even just pure US standards that address this. And then I think consumers will always be pushing for this. So I think uh, you know the US consumer is going to be looking more concretely at this over time, especially as we have younger people moving into the kind of larger economic earning groups in the 20s, 30s, 40s, making a lot of purchases, and they'll be voting with their dollars. So I think uh, that will be impacting US markets. I think it will be very interesting to see if this comes from direct legislation, as opposed to coming from maybe more indirect means, especially over the next five years. But I would predict the US is not going to exceed the EU anytime soon in this, but I think could within five years, maybe, maybe further than the EU is today, but the EU will also be, I think, you know, only moving further along this trajectory as well. And then, of course, I do think, uh, you know, private equity groups are are hugely influential in this. They have a lot of capital. They're highly, you know, involved in in many smaller cap businesses. So I think that's going to continue as a trend as well, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Luke. Thank you for being a guest on the ESG Matters podcast. One last question. If someone wanted to learn more about the capabilities of NCAMP, what's the best way that they can reach out and find more information about NCAMP? 
Yeah, absolutely. So a great place to go in general is our website. We're at ncamp.com. So just keep it simple. From there, we make announcements about webinars that we're running. We have case studies, different web pages. You can explore the capabilities as well as just requesting to speak with anyone at the company from the website. We have a you know, the ability to request a demo, speak to one of our compliance specialists. And we work with large number of large companies and smaller companies to help them assess where they're currently at, some of the goals that they have for building out more robust compliance programs and building in really technology-driven systems so that this becomes part of your overall processes instead of being reliant on an individual who kind of can get it done and said you really want to build out a system. So ncamp.com is the best place to go. And then we can always, uh, you know, we're at a lot of conferences. You know, we're always excited to chat with people as well at industry trade shows and such. So I would say, uh, you know, best place is going to be the website. All right. Well, thank you so much, Luke, for being a guest on the ESG Matters podcast. And I thank you so much for your time. Fantastic. It's been my pleasure, Amit. I really, really appreciate you bringing me on. 